0: Its name is so generic that every time I hear it, I can't remember what game that is. It's like the Clip
1: Studio Paint of of video games. Yep. (laughs) Hey everybody, welcome to episode 314 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer.
0: I'm Adam and I just realized this is an
1: episode. It is an episode. Oh, Uh I'm Sam. That's all I got. That's it. And uh, today is June 3rd, 2021. Dunk on everyone. Before we get started, we have a warning. There's going to be profanity in this show. And also, we would like to thank our recurring supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. If you would like to support the uh, podcast, just head on over to moneygrab.bscotch.net, and then we'll grab your money. Uh, now, speaking of, speaking of, of pie, okay, mm-hmm. this, is our, this is our third pie episode. In the sense that we're on our third digit of pi now, right? First mm-hmm. it was episode three, yep. Then it was episode thirty-one. Now it's episode three hundred and fourteen. Unfortunately, ooh yeah, the next pi episode is going to be about fifty-two years from now. Yeah, if a ways we a keep way. our schedule pretty consistent, mm-hmm. um,
2: and then we'll so definitely you know, be dead for the next one. Well, yeah, we got we got may- we could maybe eke out a single uh, like one extra pi digit here yeah maybe not super likely but possible not likely
1: we will be in our
2: eighties, you yeah. know what, the, what we should do though is actually leave in our wills that once the three of us are gone that someone takes uh you know feeds all of our audio into a one of those deep faking machines right uh, yeah, and then yeah. just produces with some a i that watched us all the episodes. there's plenty of meat and all this there's like hundreds of oh, hours yeah, now. just produces yeah. a new episode from the grave, yeah, but only.
0: Every time a new digit of pi is added,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, I guess would well but, would have been, you know, but it, on the we can't.
1: Line. Yeah, we can't do that though because it has to be that number episode. So it'll have to keep releasing episodes. We
0: just we, we can just keep releasing you know.
1: empty ones just
2: to fill in the number. You know, so like, Wait, uh,
1: do you think you could actually do that? Where it's like if you could just have them just
2: train an AI to, on all the stuff and then have it talk. You know, like people have them that write the scripts and stuff like that for Batman and all that. Have you seen those? Mm-hmm. They have them write. They'll train them on Batman and stuff like that, and then they'll have them write a script. I'm pretty sure it would be chaotic, oh, yeah.
0: but would it be any less chaotic than the podcast normally is? Would anybody be able to
1: tell? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> is that what's happening uh, right now? Uh, oh, my. To how
0: we be fair, we, are pr-
1: we do talk a lot about automation. You know, and like one of the ways for us to get a lot more stuff done uh, with our game dev is if we automate the podcast. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Which we may have already done. That's happening yep. right now. I and mean,
0: speaking of <laughs> speaking of automation, my house is becoming a robot very aggressively.
2: Ooh. Adam's got beautiful hue lighting behind yeah. him. I went to. I've
0: been going to using wise wy. ZE as the company, because they're like, everything's cheaper and they seem to be less evil than all the other companies doing, <laughs> doing Spark for now stuff for now. Uh, but yeah, I just, I got, I bought these lights a while ago and I was like, they're just kind of sitting on the desk. I didn't need them. It just seemed fun, you know? And then Sam was over here on the
2: weekend and he was like, should put up those lights. yeah It's so one of those things you're like, as a guest, you're like, I mean, I want to see those yeah. in the socket yeah. not on the counter. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, so I plugged them in, and I've just been playing with them ever
1: since. Well, so and I, I mean, it's, and doing stuff like installing things in your house is really, really horrible by yourself. Yeah, but it's I kind mean, of bulbs are, bulbs are kind of got a got minor,
0: a, kind of an exception to that because you just you know put them in there.
2: But but for most, for and literally everything else though, that is true. I will say, yeah, but it's because mm, it's the case that Adam, you even have that one light that's above your stairs. Yeah, which like yeah, hanging putting bulbs in is a like kind of a minor nuisance when you're able to reach the things. But that yeah, one that in particular one, – was a little spooky. You need a spotter on the stairs just in case you go down, yep. you know, so you don't hit those stairs. You hit a man first and then you hit the stairs. Yeah. Sort of
1: two for one. <laughs> uh, now, speaking of wild lights, we need to talk about – Okay, so I know last, last week we were like, oh, yeah, we got to hit questions. We got to hit questions. And we we're going to do questions. But there's one thing we have to talk about before we go to questions, which is Bo Burnham's Netflix special – Called Inside Mm -hmm. Okay, So those who aren't Familiar with Bo Burnham He became known uh, as one of the Sort of the first YouTubers basically In 2006 He was just a kid As a teenager he was 16 um, And he became known for making these Very sort of Self aware and Extremely witty um, Mm -hmm. Songs uh, That were kind of some mixture of like poetry and social commentary and jokes right mm-hmm. and over time that kind of evolved into a sort of stand-up comedy career but where his stand-up was also uh, kind of dark mm-hmm. and, and almost were- like the, like a George Carlin kind of a way where like like he's telling jokes but like he's the He's the subject of the joke, but so are you as the audience, mm-hmm. and so is everything else. And, and also, the fact that he's doing jokes is also yeah. yeah. Like the joke is also the joke, and also he doesn't really tell a joke without then pointing back at the at the joke that he told in like nine different ways and talking and like so, subtly, not not like you know in a ham this way, but kind of subtly mocking the joke that he made for how hypocritical it was, mm-hmm. or how insensitive it was, or whatever. Um I think it's like self awareness is kind of like the brand of his of his art i guess
0: yeah when I kind of um, because he has especially in the older ones uh, he he does hit those moments where he's where he where he does have some of the just being an asshole types of jokes you know yeah and there's that there's that brand of comedy where people are like oh like i just I, i'm just i just say things about everybody you know as if as if everybody equally needs to be mocked which is an absurd stance mm-hmm. to take you know and there's like there's like there's a tiny dash of that in some of those earlier ones but it's it's done in a way where you're still not sure exactly if he's if he's making fun of that or if he's like which side of the joke that he's on mm-hmm. you know but in this most recent one um like it, it's not that equal thing right where there's not there's no sense of like the two sides of the joke being equal and anytime you're unsure you start like thinking more like looking like Looking at the next joke or the one that was a little bit before that or whatever, you see that he's like – he's like constantly making and then deleting those same jokes, you know, and like commenting with this meta commentary that's just floating on top
1: yeah, with like layer so after it's, layer. It's, so it's let's, a, well, let's, let's talk about like what this special actually is before we you – know, which is that it was, it was filmed it, during COVID. It's, so this – it's called Inside. And it's on uh, Netflix and it's it, – the entire special takes place in a room, just one room. Um, and he pieced it together over a year by himself, and uh, so he did. He wrote everything. He did all the music. He did all this and all the filming, all the cinematography, all the editing, everything. Um, and so I think that the special itself is sort of a, it's a, it's a lens of it's sort of looking at what it's like to sort of be that isolated and what that does to you and also the fact that that if you're just inside all the time then you are experiencing the world through the internet mm-hmm. right and and that so that means like you're consuming stuff through the internet but you're also putting stuff out onto the internet and what what does that mean like what does that do to you as a person well, and especially when you're that- coming into it already with mental
0: health issues right because he actually quit comedy for after his last Special which was a 2016. right so it's been right. five years since he yeah released anything, yeah, so then this yeah. one and, he, and my understanding was he just at that time was just like this is, it was too bad for his mental health to be even doing it, and so he just planned to, to 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 be done right and then uh and then built this thing during during covid so it's uh i and we should say the other his other specials were, it's like, yeah, they're comedy routines, right? And they're like all this interesting meadow layered. You're never quite sure, you're never quite sure exactly what he means, but it feels like it, f- you always feel like you know at first until you start thinking a little yep. more, you know? So it's just a really interesting mental ride, but it's also all of so tightly controlled, which is part of what adds to the sense of uncertainty, actually, in a weird way, because. Because he'll do a thing, like in the, in the prior ones too, and then he'll do a thing that sounds like it's unintentional or something, and then some audiovisual cue that he has programmed mm-hmm. in, because everything's on a tight timeline that he's set up and programmed and you know made everything go. And so then all of a sudden, like some voiceover will happen. That's him, you know, like talking to himself or whatever, that then s- reveals that the thing that didn't seem intentional actually was, <laughs> right? and right. And then this new one is the same deal, where it's not just a guy in a room telling jokes, you know? like at all it's it's this uh, just absurdist audiovisual experience where actually the the visual part is the source of most of your commentary you know about mm-hmm. what's happening so so there's a constant conflict between these like spectacular uh, av scenarios and then these like scenes in between and then what he's saying Versus what you see. So, so what
1: what you end up having in this show is sort of like he does have these really overproduced moments where he's singing songs and he has fantastic lighting and he's playing this amazing music and stuff. Um, But then in between those clips, it's sort of working on it. You see him working on the special. You see him sometimes, you see him just sitting there, just watching and editing the song that you just saw him do Mm -hmm. or whatever. And, and, it's this really weird juxtaposition where it's like uh, it's showing it's kind of showing how how isolating and kind of like how much of a grind it is to do creative work. Mm-hmm. Where on the outside you see this sort of like super peppy, colorful, amazing thing, right? Um, and the thing is just a minute long or something, mm-hmm. right? And then behind the scenes, it's just it's some, hours and days it's just of isolated some, work. S- yeah, some mm-hmm. sad guy just like moving a light, and then like standing in front of it, and then checking the video, and like moving the light again, mm-hmm. and then standing. You know, and yeah, this hours and hours. The right?
2: commentary on just the general point about like that difference between the inside of creative work versus the external representation of it. And even we've we talked about this a little bit in the podcast, which is just that like the, the total amount of effort. That I mean, even if we're looking like at Crashlands Two or Level Head. Like the total amount of effort that goes into these things is like wild. Job-able. Well, and it's and the, just wild. The huge like the the human lives that are involved
0: in the process, you know, yeah. because because we think of things like oh, like make sure developers it well. And we think about things like you throw in words like crunch and you know and this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But those are still so abstract because yeah, like these like making a game takes place over years, you know, with teams of people between one on the rare occasion. And more often dozens and sometimes hundreds or even thousands, right? And you have all of these people who are just having lives, right? When they're not both they have an inner life while they're working on these games, right? But they also have a life outside of that, right? And they have like they're they're coming to that work with just whatever the hell's going on, you know, whatever's <laughs> on their plate. And the only thing you see is this like little tiny it's the it's the the tightly polished you know, perfection that was created mm-hmm. in the background of this of
1: this like dark chaos. You know, yeah, yeah. And amazing. I I once I had a conversation a while back, and I won't I won't reveal the the company that that these people were representing, but we were talking about um, I was talking with these people about the cyberpunk thing, about how like you know internally in our studio we view the the cyberpunk release as a sort of a tragedy, mm-hmm. right? Which is that this game had, you know, eight million pre-orders and it was extremely hyped, but it was born out of horrible crunch. And once it was released, it was immediately obvious what the consequence of that crunch was, you know, which was the game was just riddled with bugs and production problems. And and it was made by a team of people who were just on the edge,
2: mm-hmm.
1: like on the edge of like of their mental health and physical health, right? Um, they just weren't able to keep it together to make a quality product because they were just ground into a into a like a human paste right And when I was talking with some of these uh, these these folks about like that in my that in my view that is a horrible way to to make a game right <laughs> or to do anything. And their response was, well, it was also they made back all of their money in the first three days. So what was the real cost was the was the response. Mm-hmm. And my jaw just hit the floor because I was like the real cost is I mean, the the people. The, the real cost is, is <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, so it's the yeah, it's the only cost that is real. Right? Like money isn't real. Yeah, it's imaginary. It has real like, effects. Like, it, it, it has you real know. effects, but it's a fiction it's an agreed upon fiction, right? But like one person's life being absolutely destroyed. Is real, like that's a real thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so the idea that like because a company made its shareholders happy, that there was no there was no cost, right? Yeah. Um, well, and that, just, and that whole rationale is,
0: is why we live in the world we live in, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think you know, we, I mean, I feel like we could like make you could probably like start an entire podcast, uh, like just about trying to like figure out this. This Netflix special. <laughs> no, I want <laughs> to. I want uh, to read a it.
0: dissertation on it. I want some. I want somebody. You know, because it'll it'll be a while before you know a person gets into a program and decides to follow that, right? And I don't even know what it would. It, there's a bunch of topics of study under which like that thing could be a dissertation. You know, but there was, there was and I don't know if I talked about it in the podcast. I don't think I did. But there's a there's a YouTube video of somebody do, that. Somebody just analyzes music scores and movies mm-hmm. and stuff, right? And they did this for the Matrix. Which is you know one of my favorite movies that still holds up like it really does,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, and and so the this video on YouTube the guy who normally goes through this was in this scenario had a dissertation to refer to because there was somebody who got their PhD where their dissertation was a study of the Matrix score right, mm-hmm. and so so this guy's like working through this thing and, and basically taking a person who's like a deep expert in music and and how it's used you know. And uh, and and then this and then the the video maker's own you know perspective and knowledge, and that guy himself was just blown away by all the stuff that was uncovered by this person who spent literally probably two years of like diligent, careful work going over every minute of of this thing and analyzing the music and trying to figure and then anal- against the story and like the what.
2: The, yeah, the context, I think it
0: was just—it was phenomenal. It's, it's the kind of happened. thing that I can see that. Yeah,
2: yeah. Right. yeah. As soon as I finish the thing, because it's one of those—I would say—if you're going to watch it, which you should—give uh, yourself a bit of time afterwards to just kind of like just sit with sit it, sit there, because like it's—I mean, it, it'll—it does that. It's one of those things where you, you're sort of, I think, stunned in a good way afterward. Uh, but my—I mean, thing, and in a dark way, I think. If oh it, yeah. It, it
0: for some people it might resonate a little too hard, possibly, but it's still. I don't know. It still might be good because then you're, you'll are you be seen, you mm-hmm. know, um, mm-hmm. but it could be a little
2: challenging, I think. Yeah, my immediate impulse was to look up. I was like, I need someone to tell me what it all means, you know, yeah, like right. – which there's not actually too much good – like really good deep dive stuff out there yet because it's very dense.
1: So – but I'd highly recommend Well, it. and sure. I, I think my take on it too – so I've watched it – I've watched it twice now. Oh, have you? Nice. Um, because – on the second watch through, there there were things that seemed like goofy throwaway moments mm-hmm. that turned out to also be some kind of a commentary, right? Mm. So like even even something like his first song in the special is called "Healing the World with Comedy," right? Or like, I don't yep. know, he doesn't have names for the songs, but like that's kind of the refrain, um, and it's about how how the only thing that he feels he can do um, as an American white man to to help the world while also being paid and being the center of attention is mm-hmm. to, to do it's it to make comedy, a comedy special. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but, but he has this, this little like line in the chorus, which is, uh, you know, healing the world with comedy, making a literal difference metaphorically. Right. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, that's just a kind of a dumb, like it's like a fun pun. turn of phrase. Right. Yeah. But the fact is that actually like everything that he does in the, in this show is a metaphor. Right, mm-hmm. and so so he is actually making a difference in terms of m- helping people understand their mental health issues and what's going on with the pandemic mm. through the use of metaphor, right? But he's not metaphorically making a difference. He's right right? doing it. He's making a difference metaphorically. Like <laughs> he's using metaphors to make a literal difference. <laughs> and so, but like that happens at the beginning of the mm-hmm. of the special, and then. It turns out that, yes, because – and then there's even just weird shit like he's – he has a song about the internet, right? And the the level of detail here is stuff like in the background, there's – he's using his lighting system to make these little like specks of light as he's singing about the internet, right? And uh, they kind of look like stars. Mm-hmm. And then at a certain point, the song transitions into talking about the 1990s internet, like the early days of the internet, right? And the lighting transitions into clouds, but they're colored clouds, and it looks like a nebula, mm-hmm. right? And then it flips back into talking about the modern internet, and it's back to stars again, right? So even just stuff like, like these visual tricks, where like as he's talking about the formation of of what we now have, he is using like like the birth of stars coming, the out of- birth <laughs> of like like the like the the big bang and like the like this explosion of of, uh, of matter and like unpredictable, chaotic ways from what was like originally sort of like a amorphous cloud, you know, and like these things are just everywhere. I mean, and he doesn't, he doesn't make them, he doesn't like beat you over the head with them. They're just in, in there, you know, and the more you rewatch it, the more you just see like, Oh my God, like every yeah. single, every single piece of like every, every single pixel on screen had some kind of thought put into mm-hmm. it. Yeah, it was wild. It's nuts. It's nuts.
0: Yeah, and I will say, uh, it capture
1: it does a good. It just does such a good job of capturing what
0: quarantine year you know was like if you were a person who was doing that and
1: spent time on the internet. Um, yeah, and, yeah. And, I, and he's got a probably my favorite song from it is actually the song called "Feeling Like Shit," <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is like uh, the most upbeat, peppy, sort of like club banger of a song about feeling like shit. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, all right, let's get on to some questions because we have a commitment. We do. Uh, All right. So these questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. If you'd like to get your question onto a future episode, just go over there and ask it. Highest up-footed question comes from Quantum Anomaly, who says The Brothers Three have demonstrated they've been dunking on everyone this 2021, but most of these dunks are game dev or dev blog related. So what's the coolest way you've dunked on everyone outside of your work lives? Ooh, think for a second. I've dunked on everyone
0: outside. I would, I don't think that I have, I don't think that I have dunked on people outside. I've been, I've been finally getting back into hobbies after dealing with improving my mental health through pharmaceuticals. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and those are starting to become, become very fun. Uh, and actually, although the newsletter is something that I have been doing outside of work, That's so technically true, that counts and also the streams and stuff I've been doing. Um, but I don't think of those, those don't feel like dunks, you know, exactly. Those are just like playing with things, I guess. So yeah, I think, I, mean, I think, I, I, I think, say uh, like, I was gonna say, I, I think I, I haven't actually, I haven't had hobbies in a meaningful sense for basically 3 years, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. most of that was due to this like this like low l- low-lying mental health stuff that I didn't really understand was going on but just made it hard to do things. And and so for me I would say this isn't a I'm not at I'm not at the dunking phase. I'm at the part where I'm like I'm I'm dribbling again.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: That's how that's how basketball works, right? For outside of outside of work, outside of work, yeah. Uh, So you know, dunk someday, but mostly right now, I'm just happy to be actually doing stuff outside of work.
1: Yeah, I mean, work is definitely my primary dunking, you know, mechanism. Yeah, I would say, and I I, and I do. I mean, I do a lot of dunking on people in my in my primary hobby, which is wow, that's true. Uh, But um, you know, that's just that I've just been playing that game for 16 years, so it's pretty easy to dunk on people.
0: Yeah, but you could you could say the same thing for like we've been making games for seven years, right? So like, uh, so it's easy, so it doesn't count or whatever, right? Um, And but it isn't though, you know. Like it's still still a lot of work, still still a huge commitment to the time spend and and to making sure that you've brought yourself to the people involved. Because if you're doing
1: stuff in World of Warcraft, you got a guild, you know. You got yeah. I will say though that one. I mean, one of my WoW dunks is that. Is that I am one of only a, a couple hundred people in the world to have killed of some of, of no, like in the entire world, no, of Warcraft, of Warcraft. Uh, who, who have who have uh, who have killed some of these like end like hardest bosses in the game while playing the class that I play because it's thought of as the worst one, uh, mm-hmm. and so so uh, people don't bring. This character, like this kind of a character, to to raids because it's thought to not really bring anything useful. Uh, but I've spent a lot of time getting really, really good at it, and so people have to bring me, you know, because yep. they, they, they would be losing out if they didn't. So yeah, I'm I'm one of the top uh, couple hundred players in the world on this um, on this character. That's so, dope.
0: That's definitely dunk. a dunk. You also have a handful of, as I understand it, uh, extremely rare mounts that every once in a while you just. Plop out and, and ride on to mm-hmm. dunk on. Well,
1: I, I've got a, I've got a few, but but actually, like I'm not a, I'm not a mount collector. I'm not a collector of any kind. I'm completely unmotivated by like uh, by outcomes, you know. Mm-hmm. So if the game says like, hey, if you do this wild and crazy thing, uh, here's like a really cool mount that you get. If the thing itself isn't compelling to me to do, then I'm not I'm not going to do mm-hmm. it. Right. So I do have some of those things, but only because they happen to be connected to something I was already interested in doing. You yeah, know? but you do have so some also from like fifteen years ago or whatever. I've got some, I've got some old ones. Is what OG. I've got, which is like those are kind of rarer, just because
2: Cadillac because uh, you know, you know, about old classic.
1: they are. Yep. And some of the some of them do literally still have their original models from two thousand four, and they look like ass. <laughs> like they, they are not good. <laughs> Because even in 2004, Wow was built to run on like low end computers at that yeah. time, right so yeah, there's some you can really see those polygons like it's like it's made out of doritos, you know, <laughs> just like like big old chips It's like a like a float at a parade or something like
2: that. Yeah, yeah I think uh my dunks so I think generally in personal life, I think I don't dunk on you know friends and acquaintances because it feels like the wrong it feels like the wrong place for dunking. You
1: know what I mean? Well, dunking well, doesn't dunk, have to it, it's be It's about showing off and like
2: doing yeah. something
1: big,
0: you know. Yeah, yeah but it doesn't but have think. to be in a way that's meant to like It doesn't have to be braggy. Yeah. You know, so like a particularly well put together uh, gathering, right? Mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. or uh you just did something fucking awesome to your lawn.
2: Well, so yeah, it's a combination of uh my one of my most recent dunks is just uh, just all of this external yard work and uh housework stuff. So you know getting your getting your front garden all mulched up and then like our irises were just popping. You know, I feel like an old guy talking about this. our irises were just popping off, you know. Uh I mean that's those. dunking
1: on your on your
2: neighbors, right? Really, oh, yeah. You know. yeah, people were I had someone drive by <laughs> very slowly while I was out there mulching. They were like,
1: that is that looks great. And They're like, like, damn girl.
2: Yeah. That mulch is dope. Yeah, how old is the irises? How long have they been there? You know, how how mature are they? Have they been blooming? Mm. It's, it's slightly different <laughs> kind of catcalls uh, from the gardening community.
1: But, mm, uh, sick irises, bro. Yeah. Mm. So mm.
2: there's that. And then uh, I've been playing Teamfight Tactics with a friend of mine, uh, which is a League of Legends like oh, a right. spinoff game.
0: Its name is so generic that every time I hear it, I can't remember what game that is.
2: Yes. It's like, the clip,
0: it's like the clip studio paint
2: of video yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> games. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you would not be blamed, I think, for that. Uh, and I found that very fun because I've, I've gotten more into games that are slightly more on the slower and thinking side than on the uh, constant sort of button mashing side for whatever reason. So that's been a lot of fun. I got gold in uh, gold ranked in that one, which I think is like top 10% or something like that mm, last nice. season. Um, which was fun, hard earned, but very fun, and uh, and then besides that, i have been working on my fashion game. So my wife got me this dope ring around um, Christmas time during my five year cancer thing, and I was like, "It's time! I got to start." You know, I mean, I've been wearing my my cool sweatsuits, which is one part of the whole whole game, uh, but just like looking real good. So my wife's been helping me with that. Um, actually, I'd say yeah. mainly she's like, "Here's these cool shirts that I think you would like," and I'm like, "These colors." Let's go. So uh, let's go. Just feel yeah. like, you know, look and fly. It just feels good having feels nice. having a uh,
0: a specific aesthetic. Yeah, is a dunk because that's uh it's a hard, it's a hard thing to to do, right? But it's also you being like, I'm gonna I'm gonna have an opinion. am gonna speak my truth in some way, right? You mm-hmm. well, a dunk is just in a way that's not like it's kind of about what you on the outside think because like that's part of what it's for, right? But also. If you don't like it, I don't particularly care.
1: Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, a dunk is so you look. just doing something that other people are just like, oh, damn, damn. Right. yeah. It could just be that you're just like going to the grocery store wearing a feather boa, you know? Yep. Like yeah. that's – a, I mean that's Live a dunk because it's you saying, I don't give a fuck. I'm buying avocados but, look, I mean, look mm-hmm. at this boa. You yeah.
2: know? If people could look at you, be like, I'm impressed. And if you're going with an actual boa
0: constrictor. A whole nother level of body. Yeah. yeah. You just Probably gotta make sure that it doesn't
1: concern. consume sort of like the Children. other patrons. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but if you, put a, that- if you put a
0: feather boa on the boa.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Then I'll take and, I think and maybe like a,
1: a little hat. Yeah. Then, that I, then I think you tax dunked and you have won all of bad. A boa tie. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, all right, next question comes from Fly Hoppy Axe Rampa, who says when I tell people that I'm a video game developer, the most common question I get is, have you worked on anything I have heard mm-hmm. of? Yep. Yep. Do you yep, bros yep. ever get this question? Yep. And how do you handle it? Because this question baffles me from every angle. Well, I mean, the answer is always, it should be no. Yeah. Because most people haven't heard of most things. Yep. And I remember going to GDC, you know, after we had done the, after we launched Crashlands, we got like. The game of the year stuff. We were in, like nominated for Dice Game of the Year. Um, we did get Game of the Year from quite a, a number of like mobile publications. Um, mm-hmm. We we were up with like, the game Pokemon Go in the mobile category. Yeah, that like DICE. that's yeah that's what we it, was, lost and, it was, and there were
0: like four of us right so it was like it was like us Pokemon Go Clash uh, Clash,
1: Royale, or, Clash Royale one of the clashes and something yeah. else. Um, yes, yeah, so we were you know up there and good. We company. were in we were in good Among company of like. Of well-known games, um, and coming into the next GDC, we—I mean—we still had to explain who we were to ninety-nine percent of the people we met, right? Mm-hmm. And like this yeah. is this is at the Game Developers Conference of like people who are in theory like paying a lot of attention to what's going on in the in the games industry. Yeah, it was more so, likely that they heard of us because of
0: Sam's talk, uh, from, right? One of the earlier GDCS, right? Um, or because they saw, it, or because they like vaguely remembered something, right? They had this like vague. They're like, oh yeah, like okay, right? And they had this like vague sense mm-hmm. of it, right? And it could have been from anything. Either it was from that same talk, or a different talk, or from like to the Polygon articles at the time when we launched Crashlands, or uh, or the actual game itself. But that 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 one though. Is definitely the rare one in, in mm-hmm. the context of GDC where people are in the know you know yeah
1: yeah i mean if you're if your game isn't a literal cultural phenomenon if you're, it's not a fortnite or a pokemon go or a minecraft then people haven't heard of it just yeah. like yes. by by just statistically even a game like league of legends um people haven't heard of it mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. people people outside of the pc gaming world do not know league of legends yes um and so, and really, and League is a
0: little bit different, though, because you also have to get you, – you get it through the one source, right? Which you, so you, you don't go to Steam and get League of Legends, right? Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's also part of the interesting thing is like with, with Crashlands, we had the Steam pop-up, which means every fucking person who is on Steam during that time, during that weekend, you know, saw Crashlands. They saw it. It popped up in front of their eyeballs, right? It was something like – at the time, I don't know, it was like 10 million people or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they all saw it. We were on the front page of of iTunes, I think on iP- mm-hmm. or i the App Store. Sorry, yep. <laughs> they oh, yeah, for a, a, for a week, for a week on I think on iPad we were like all the banner, and then all oh, the yeah. rest we were like the second or something like that, right? So, so everybody who had an iDevice who like looked at the App Store for that week, mm-hmm. right? So, saw it, but again,
1: it. but again, people see a lot of things all yep, the do. time, yep, right? And so just because, just because we had our game in front of of you know, fifty million people for a week doesn't mean they actually know that the game exists. Yeah. (laughs) Uh and so that's kind of a it's an interesting thing to kind of like really reconcile is that sort of unless you are absolutely everywhere, for most people, you don't exist. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's why my usual follow-up question is it's
2: just like, oh like what sort of, you know, where where do you play games and what sort of games do you play? Because the thing is if if they play indie games or if they play a lot of games through, um, like, on their phones, there's actually – there is a good chance that they've seen it. So, like, we've had people – even someone recently where they're like, oh, yeah, I – like, they, they'll pull it up. After – you'll say the name. They're like, okay. And then they pull it up. They're like, oh, yeah, I have seen this. Yeah. So, like, it's sort of in there. But yeah, it's not that they've accessed ex- it in any way. Right? Except,
1: for me, the yeah. one thing that, like, really just threw me for a loop is when we were at, we were at- PAX – for PAX 10 because Crashlands was selected for the PAX 10. Mm
0: -hmm. So that would have been in 2016.
1: Fall of 2016. So at this point we had released Flop Rocket which was featured on the App Store, Quadrupus Rampage which had a couple million players. Crashlands, you know, no Game of the Year awards at that time because it was still like during that year. Um, But But we were in the PAX 10. We were in the PAX 10 and like Crashlands Mm -hmm. was well known. And then we saw this guy at, at PAX and he saw our shirts. This said, Butterscotch Shenanigans. And he's like, Butterscotch Shenanigans. And we were like, Yeah. And then he goes, Hey, you guys made Extreme Burger Defense. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot <Yeah>. about that. <laughs> Which was an eight hour jam uh, game that we made and then released on Google Play to no marketing at all. Like, we just, I think put we it took it there. down after like a couple of months, too. I know we took it down for a couple of months. Uh, There's
2: literally, like, seven people who played this thing. Like, it's not— I think it was a few hundred, but yeah, but it was a tiny— It had, had
1: like, a few hundred downloads. It was, like, a little, like, throwaway tower defense game um, with, like, a couple of in-app purchases in it or something like that. I think it ended up making, like, three bucks. You know, Mm -hmm. a couple hundred people Mm -hmm. played it, and then we just unpublished it. Um, But then, like, out of all the stuff that we had done, and the whole reason that we were at that convention was Crashlands, and Mm then— Somehow had way more news
0: than anything else. Like it yeah. launched a fanfare, it was on the front pages of all the stores, all that stuff.
1: Yeah. Which yeah. is also why the question of like, have you made anything that I have heard of? Yeah. Is such a wild is, question because like, knows. what have you heard of? Yeah. yeah. Because if, if what you've heard of is literally our least, our least successful, least popular game that we've ever made.
0: Yeah. Probably is in terms of published. That's probably true. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. uh, and like, I don't know. Nothing makes sense. And then, it's, and, it's, then it's, didn't, and
0: then didn't know about the other ones. Didn't
1: right? know about the other. Yeah. We were like, well, right. we have other games. Yeah. We're actually here for, we're actually here because of one of the other games that we've made. He's like, oh, I should go check it out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's um, I think it's, it's only baffling because of the the framing, which is really what a person's asking is like, how excited should I be? Yeah. Exactly. People, I mean, people love meeting, meeting people who make the stuff that they consume. Yeah. I like guess sort of, a, you know, the truth of it. But I think. That's essentially what they're asking, which is like, oh, are you one of the, like, have you made one of the things that I like? It's essentially what the question is. But the problem yeah. is like, you can't, you don't, you don't know. That's just like really weird because you just don't have access to their whole <laughs> history of stuff. Yeah, you so don't, you don't know what they're up to. Yeah. You know? I think it, all you need to do is just ask questions afterwards and then, and then, uh, talk about where your stuff actually is. Yeah. So it it's think always
1: a, that depends. Like, yeah. Do you like, do you play PC games, mobile games? What kind of games do you play? Maybe I have, but, I got to know what you know. Yeah. yeah. It, can, it,
0: it it can be very funny though when the when per, the person does realize that if they if they, if they played Crashlands or any our games where they realize, "Oh, I have actually played one of these, you know." And I haven't told the story on the podcast, I won't get all the way into the story, but I had a, a mole removed from a very private location a few months ago, mm-hmm. a few months ago. And the uh the the guy that was doing it, or he was like you know injecting me with the novocaine stuff or whatever i uh, was just chatting you know so we we're just talking while we were doing it and uh and getting ready for it you know he was asking he asked me what idea for a living so we got into that discussion you know and he was he was like oh i like, oh, yeah, oh, play a lot question. of video games you know but he like, yeah Asked the same question he asked it in the in the way that is a little easier to deal with it's just like oh like what kind of stuff do, do you make you know mm-hmm. and which which that's the kind of question you tend to get from somebody who is into games you know like conceptually yeah and like more plays games and stuff more broadly um and uh, so I told him Crashlands, and he was like, oh, okay. He was like, oh, that's, that's cool. You know? And then, and then, like, oh, like a couple minutes later, he was like, he, he just said, he goes, wait, like Crashlands, like on, like in the app store? You know, I was like, yeah. And, and then he was just saying, like, oh my God, he's like, I've been playing that. Like, like recently, you know, and he was like, he'd he been playing a whole and like, he'd been in the Reddit even and like talk to people from the community then who of course like the, get the whole small world thing, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then he was like, so he was just so like confused and then baffled and then like amused at this and like watching that happen to somebody because, cause they like, they, they saw a thing that you made. Right. Yeah. In this yeah. Like yeah. bizarre context.
1: It's yeah, just in sort funny. of a, uh, a cold, uh, Featureless room in a doctor's mm-hmm. office in the middle of St. Louis, Missouri. You know, <laughs> and in, in walks the person who made the video game that he's been playing. You
0: know? Yeah, <laughs> it's just weird. So yeah, I, I do. I love those moments, but, uh, uh but yeah, the, the one where somebody comes to you, it's almost like the "tell me a joke," you know, thing. It's like, yeah. oh, you're
2: a comedian. Tell me a joke, right? It's hard like, not to be disappointing to people. You yeah, know?
0: it really is. And so, <laughs> so I get that feeling, and we get that constantly. But yeah. it is, it is cool that something, even something, is as little known as extreme burger defense can get somebody so excited that they're excited to meet you seven years later because Mm -hmm. they play, they played that one little thing that you made,
1: you know? Yeah. I I will say though, I I think the, the game developer version of tell me a joke. If you're, since you're a comedian is uh, here's a game idea that you should make that I have. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's, that's that's probably the closest that you get to that awkward sort of uh, confrontation, which yeah, I, wow. always, I always I just turn that around as like you should make that. Yeah, like <laughs> I got i um, I already got stuff that I'm making. <laughs> uh, all right, next question comes from Chalosis, who says, "What is the balance between implementing new features to test designs and cleaning up known bugs to make the game less fragile, ooh, and easier to add more things?" This is well, a I think-
2: fascinating philosophical conundrum. That we get yeah. into with some The theory. first answer is there
0: isn't a good there isn't an answer that's just yep. like, oh, that feels good. I'm I'm gonna follow that
1: practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so the, the code and the code can always be made less fragile and easier to add more things, right? Um, so I like the the Boy Scout rule from the clean code book, which is uh, leave something better than you found it, right? So it's not go looking for problems to clean up, it's as you're working on, you know, adding some feature to your game, if you find that it's hard to add, Mm -hmm. then that's a moment where it's like, okay, it turns out that this code is sloppy. This should have been easier to add. So I will, while I'm adding this feature, clean up the foundations, right? Um, And I feel the same about bugs, which is, there is no such thing as a bug-free piece of software. There's a question about, about uh, I think that is a impact, mm-hmm. but also about the, the stack of dependencies, which is if you have yeah. a bug um, that touches a lot of things or that is like a, is in a foundational system, like last week we talked about the uh, file management system, right uh, and that that I spent much of last week rebuilding our file manager and how how files are saved and loaded. and a big part of the reason for that was that one of the big things we were working on crashing two last week, was saving and loading of your gameplay progress, right? Well, if our thing that saves and loads files is unreliable and kind of weird, then we're going to end. Yeah, it's going to be harder to develop a save system for a game if we have bugs popping into the new thing, right? Right? So the question is, are you building a feature on top of a pile of bugs? Because if you are, then it's... uh, yeah, you know, that's well.
0: This also gets you into the you know, the idea of bike shedding, right? Where you focus on the little stuff to avoid looking yep. at the big stuff, right? And and this is as Seth is describing that the ones that you actually like really need to take the time to take care of are the ones that are also the hardest and the most costly to take care of because. Yep. They are foundational. They they are touched by many other systems. And so now you have to think so much about what to do. And if you don't have good tests to figure out like, okay, now that I've made all these changes, what have I broken? Right? Uh, then, then you're also in a bad spot. And so now all of a sudden like the, the scope of work to fix that thing is way bigger than to be like, oh, like this, this is just a little messy over here or can be slightly optimized or – Or whatever, right? But or or this is like it's the end of a it's the end of a branch, you know. Nothing else touches it. It's off on its own, and it's janky. So like I should fix it, right? Well, all that other stuff could be true. the The maximum leverage and the most important things to fix are the really hard ones. And so you're better off ignoring the little stuff that isn't likely to have even worse, you know, unexpected effects downstream, or or they just don't matter that much. Um, You need to ignore those. And go for
1: the jugular of the big ones, you know. Well, and there's an there's one final thing about this, which is the problem of workarounds. Okay, so what's the difference between a workaround and a bug fix, right? Well, a workaround is you basically finding a problem with what you've made, realizing that you can sort of just like add an exception on top of that, allow the problem, problem to exist, allow the problem to keep existing, and you just add more code on. To compensate for the problem. Right. Mm-hmm. So this now you've got two future problems because if you fix the bug, your workaround breaks. Now you gotta right? work around yeah. your workaround. Right. So so if you find yourself writing workarounds for your own code, that's where you're running in. That's the where you're like really running into trouble. Workarounds should only happen for things that you can't change, right? So like if you're working with a third, like a piece of third-party software. Like an API or something that, that has its own rules about how it wants to do things, but then maybe it is broken somehow, and you can't fix it because it's something that somebody else controls, right? So only in that case do you like add a workaround, but don't put a workaround mm-hmm. for something that you made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you control both ends of this problem, so fix the source and yeah. don't don't tack. And, and there are bugs some exceptions
0: top. in there, you know, because like when I when I converted the entire website from what it was to to a different type TypeScript, but I'm not going to go into details, right? But to a different technology in order to do that, or I guess once I had done that, it basically revealed a large number of of issues, right? But those were issues, but, like, but a huge number of minor issues, right? So then as I see each one, I can either try to f- fix that issue in a sea of, of like a thousand, right? Uh, or find ways to make it so that I don't, that I don't treat those issues as like as as errors, as things that need to be addressed right now or whatever, so that I can instead use just a Boy Scout rule. I just say like when I when I'm working on that thing again, that is when I actually like fix right. the the jank. Fix you know, but but you don't go you don't go jank diving until yeah. you know, because like it doesn't you're just that's you bike sharing. That's that's you doing the easy thing, which is very satisfying. I love doing that, but it's, well,
1: it's refactoring is the, is
0: the it's, best. It feels very good, and, it, and it's it's like
1: organizing your closet, you know.
0: Like it, it mm. just yeah, it requires so much effort or so much less effort than having to build a thing or solve a, a hard a bug, real
1: right? a real problem. Yeah, so
0: so I get it absolutely, and I, and I find myself caught in that and having to mentally force myself to like back out of it, you know, and, and quit doing that. Because um, yeah, you got to hit those foundational ones, which
1: is the stuff that matters the most. And otherwise, everywhere else you go, just make it cleaner. Yeah. Yeah, it's only going to be a problem if it's, you know, if you hit it later and it's and it's filthy and then yeah, clean it up then. Yeah. Uh because you, you can tweak and perfect your code forever and it'll always be bad because it's organic and the code is changing around it too, right? Mm-hmm. Your understanding of the demands are changing. So it's never perfect. It's never even honestly good. It's just different stages of sort of jumbled. Yeah, uh, and sometimes so. I
0: mean, sometimes we do just accept that something is it's like so. So there's there's a few systems in in Rumpus, in particular the perk system, uh, for which at the time that I made it, there were some like tricks and like tools and stuff that I didn't know about and didn't I didn't have as, as much experience, right? So my design of this whole system is just bad. It's just a badly designed thing, top to bottom, right? Like the old file manager. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there's a yep. lot of it. We're talking like probably a total thousand uh, or two thousand lines of code, right? So there's there's enough stuff in there. That and it's all you know talking to each other. That I can't just go in and be like, oh, well, this this thing right here is one of the many very bad things. Let me just fix that one, you know. Because I can't fix it. it Touch the context all the of other every, yeah, right. Well, yeah, because yeah. everything else is is janky and, and bad, right? And so and so I, I've had a few occasions, um, actually just this just happens to me all the time, where like I'll go in, I'll be like, oh, this thing sucks, and I'll start fixing it, right? And I'm like, oh shit, to fix that, I have to also go yep. do that, right? And then I've had a few occasions where after after having done that, like and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, no, like two hours have passed and I'm not even close. Like not even close to fixing this because it's such a, it's such a mess that I would need to come in here with the intention of basically redoing the system, right? And then on those occasions, often what will happen is I just throw away everything that I did for the past like two hours and I just make a note that, okay – Here's a system that someday I need to just go redo when we feel like we it's have It's actually a priority. It's a priority because we're gonna do something new with that system. Or or because that system itself is like now not behaving well and and we don't wanna slap band-aids on top of of you don't wanna put band aids on poop piles that solves nothing. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so we need to at that point actually redo it. And so they I mean, have a true thing is that way where it's like, if, if I find that a thing is becomes a lot of work to resolve, then uh, then I'll usually leave it until there's basically something going on that requires a change to it, like a meaningful change. And then then I just warn everybody. All right. I will see you in a few days. Right? This code yeah. to, something this, big has to happen Something now. big has
2: to happen. Yeah, on the art side, it's a, there's a similar sort of a balance because people, artists are notorious actually for just constantly reworking the same damn thing over and over and over again. And I think the easiest way to stop yourself from doing it unnecessarily, because it's, it's the same problem with all this code stuff, um, is basically knowing when you need to do it versus knowing when you're just doing it because it's easier to tweak something than it is to go make something completely new. And for me, it's just knowing before you go in exactly what new or far better applied skill are you applying to it. So, uh, in the case of questions, there's been a couple times where I'm like, "Oh, now that we've been playing this for a while, I can see that my value range for this particular thing isn't quite high enough." So I'm going to color values. Is that yeah? So values being light and dark. Right. Okay. So I'm going to go in, and the thing I am doing is fixing is fixing the value range, right? so that it has more readability in game. So in other words, being able to actually say what the, what the outcome is for a person who gets to enjoy this later uh, is is kind of where I think you can draw the line. Because right, while you're in there, you might see a thousand other things. You're like, ooh, I kind of wish this was There's always, yep, there's yeah. always a thousand things. And especially once you get into, you know, an animated creature or something like that, like, it's the same kind of deal where it's like, if you want to, if you're like, oh, I, I kind of want to move the eyeball. Well, I mean, now mm-hmm. you got like, now that's like an hour and a half of work to go. Just like do that across all the frames, make sure you know it's all this stuff. And so it's it's very important to get all of your get all of that sort of like large scale uh, large scale changes that could happen front loaded by doing essentially by like hard coding in one sense uh, on the prototyping side and then sketching and stuff like that on the on the art side and then only changing things when you know why and you can target the reason why that outcome is important for the player, uh, and then otherwise just leave it the fuck alone. Because it might it might show up later that you're like, oh, okay, I, I get it now. Like, I need to go back and, you know, in my case, maybe recolor all the components because they're, like, just not working systemically. Sure. Like, that's that's the point where you go do that, kind of like Adam was talking about with Rumpus. You can see all the bugs mm-hmm. at one point, but not know exactly why you would even need to fix them. Yeah. And I think being able to just put it aside, put a pin in it, let
0: it go. Yeah, well, that's part of it, too, right? Is if, so, like, in the case of these art assets, if you're like, if, if we're in the early stages of development, which we are, and uh, we could have any new thing happen where we're like, mm, actually, like we need to change how animation is done or we need to yeah. change whatever in some fundamental way. Then any extra work that happened that was a minor upgrade or a side rate or whatever, uh, which was already at best uh, not that useful, is now just lost yeah. right and it works it works the same way with the kind and there's a lot of why when i see these kinds of systems like a like our shitty achievement system right where it works it gets the current job that it is doing done mm-hmm. right as long as i don't have to touch it because i'm not sure that i can keep it working if i have to make changes to it right but uh we don't have anything that we are wanting to change right yep. and so that means that if i were to go in and like overhaul it and try and replace how it's working i would do that with the current way that it works and then Correct. now let's say in six months, we're like, okay, time to start thinking about achievements for for Crashlands. Is there anything cool we could do right for Crashlands? Too? Is there anything new we could do right? Mm-hmm. And then now all of a sudden, I'm like, oh well, I you know, like, like what if we want mm-hmm. to do something like really interesting and like really mm-hmm. different, you know, so that it requires the system be just different than the one that I just spent a week or whatever just making.
1: rebuilt. Yeah,
0: and yeah. Then now
2: yeah,
1: when, well, it, it, when it was when it when was working, you need to do
0: it, you
2: know? and, you, and there's very yeah. clear. Very clear positive outcomes for doing so. Yeah,
0: or where the,
1: the or where the existence of the thing as is is a a risk, mm-hmm. a current risk. Yeah, because otherwise you end up you end up just where you started and no further ahead. Right? Yeah, yeah, so. it's not what you want. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's. I think. Let me see. Do we have time for one more question? Mm-hmm. I don't know. You're cooking mm-hmm. it close. It's gotten pretty close. I think we'll have to just call it for this week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was some uh, good suspense, so- though. Just kind of tack on to the end of the episode. <laughs> I tell you what, I'll read the next question. Ooh, cliffhanger! Ooh, nice. Wait, that, cliffhanger means that okay.
0: That does mean that we have to make sure we do answer that one in the next
1: episode. No, um, Jenny has to make sure we answer it. Mm, good point. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. she's the one who keeps us uh, keeps us on track. So. <laughs> uh, all right, the next week's question uh, is from uh, Blonde Viking ninety one who says Ooh. have you have you gotten any five star one star reviews? you know the opposite of I played for one thousand hours wouldn't recommend one star'll mm. so, so we'll, we'll chew on that one let's we'll talk about one. it
0: next week so this is this is a review that is like the words are bad, but we' got five stars is that yes. correct okay correct.
1: yes, cool. clearly they hated the game, but they gave it five stars or Yeah, something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, All right, so that's all the time we have for this week. We would like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, just go to podcast.bsketch.net, where we have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the archives. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.